You're listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. This is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. Back to throw Tua, looking. Flips it down the wide open. <laughs> Touchdown, Tyreek Hill. Unbelievable. Just flew by him for a second time. Tua knew where he was going right away. How the hit is that, though, man? I really hope you soon jump on his bandwagon. Waddle, waddle. Tua, shotgun, back to throw, looking, steps up, fires, touchdown. We got it. It's Waddle. His sixth touchdown Six pass touchdown of the game. Drive time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. Fired up, check your pulse if you're not. What is up, Dolphins? And welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And on today's show, we've got a football practice to talk about. Day one in the books, we heard from head coach Mike McDaniel, Tua Tungavailoa, Tyreek Hill, Connor Williams, Brandon Jones. We had an explosive play from Tua to Waddle. We had a rookie shine bright and much, much more. We're going to recap it all. Notes from practice, top quotes from media availabilities, and much, much more from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is... The Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. Caroline gets a vet day rest day on the first down call. Kenny Walker back in our lives here today. And just such first day of school vibes every year for the first day of training camp. Number four for me, you're number two under head coach Mike McDaniel and a relief from the torturous sunshine we've been facing here for seemingly the last two or three months down here in South Florida. Media coverage aplenty, saw all the familiar faces, all the boys back in town, some new faces as well. Got a chance to see the guys run out of the indoor facility, out to the outdoor practice field, and then a football practice broke out after all of that. And one of the themes today was that familiarity heading into the off or heading into year two, I should say, for the offensive side of the football. The level of competition, raising the stakes for everybody involved, new system on defense, and so much more than that. But let's go ahead and start here with that first piece, and particularly quarterback Tua Tungavailoa. And to me, honestly, I just kind of appreciate that I, I feel like it, it should be, or maybe it, it is in, in my neck of the woods, or maybe where I, I kind of isolate myself from the conversation is I don't feel like there's going to be as much back and forth about quality or whether or not this throw is good. Maybe there will be that. I don't know. I, I've seen some of it over the deep ball that he connected to Waddle with already on social. But anyway, it doesn't matter because it's kind of been proven at this point that the dude can flat out play. So I thought in this practice, he was sharp and decisive. The ball rarely touched the ground when he was under center. There was one play that I counted as a sack throw away uh, midway through practice, which was more of a coverage sack where Tua kind of went through his options before ultimately just killing the play despite stepping up into a clean pocket, which was also a bit of a theme in this practice. And you won't hear me talk too much O-line, D-line before the pads come on, but clean pockets for most of the day, but I thought the progression of the day was the best part because to me, Tua really demonstrated, and again, this is an area that maybe it's too intangible, maybe it's just, you know, that's that's it really, I think, is the fact that it is intangible over tangibility, is that where his superpower and where he really shines is in the nuances of the game, and part of that is demonstrating the proficiency within the offense that just makes you know that for him, it's kind of second nature at this point. And we've talked about this last year into this year and really over the course of the entire offseason about having the offense be more, you know, back of your hand, second nature like that. And that can result in more quick decisions and more, 
you know, completions, more opportunities to stay on the field, which then creates more opportunities for the explosive plays. And we saw it play out like that here on day one. Like, you know, again, I did one training camp before I worked for the Dolphins. And so I've now seen a fifth year of practices. This this day one was far and away offensively. It, it looked like the middle of camp when they kind of hit their stride and start to get more and more familiar. They're already in that form to me uh, on day one. But the ball was out quickly. I loved, 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 loved how they created run-after-the-catch opportunities in the short passing game for the playmakers. That's a big part of you know Tua's maturation here in year two of Mike McDaniel, Frank Smith, Daryl Bevel, and this Miami Dolphins offensive system. In fact, I want to go to coach right now because the great Daniel Oyafusi of the Miami Herald asked this question to Mike uh, in the morning regarding what he thinks about year two for the offense and for the quarterback and the nuances that come along with that. Because typically you ask the question, you get the same you know run-of-the-mill answer, but with head coach Mike McDaniel, it's never going to be run-of-the-mill. So Daniel did a good job asking about the nuances to make the kind of build of the execution and how you see that benefiting Tua here in year number two. Here's head coach Mike McDaniel on QB1, Tua Tungavailo. I, I would equate it I would equate it, the starting point is I'd equate it to language. And you um, you know, when you're learning a foreign language, uh, you have to like translate in your head. Um, and uh, and then at some point in time, if you're fluent enough, you can think in terms of that language. Last year, too, it was, um, you know, it, we put a lot on the quarterbacks in terms of uh, how to communicate and um, being in charge of everything. And he was literally speaking a foreign language and doing it at a pretty high level. Um, and this year, he, he owns, owns the language. What, what that manifests, everything. You talk about, you know, ask, ask a player um, uh, what conviction does in a play call within a huddle. These little nuances are, are a big deal. Um, all of a sudden, uh, your conviction, um, you know, the quarterback, you're, you're saying the same play, but with authority and um, ownership, uh, guys believe in it that much more. All of a sudden, your pre-snap penalties are, are, are less as well because you're getting the line of scrimmage faster. Um, that in combination with other people doing their part, including myself, um, gives the potential to have a a really cool product, um, and as well as like there, there were so many things we asked Tua to do that was a first for him last year, um, and to his credit, um, he he was able to do a lot of really cool things. Um, ownership of it and knowing with conviction and confidence exactly why you're doing something so you can self-correct um, gives you a chance to um, take your game to another level. And um, he's, he's had a tremendous offseason. And so after watching him pepper these short, accurate passes to the you know short and intermediate portions of the field, but really in kind of that five yards in, in area, I thought it created what you see across the NFL nowadays where all these defenses want to play too high shell and, and protect the roof of the defense and make sure the teams have to you know take 12, 15 play drives by going short. And, you know, we heard Tua talk today about the QB1 or quarterback show on Netflix, and Patrick Mahomes is a good example of that. In that show, he talked about how teams have been playing him a certain way, and if they're going to give him the deep ball, it's time to go back to the deep ball, right? 
And so I think that what you can do to benefit from last year's success as this offense saw down the field is to take that that short change, take the you know the pocket change the defense wants to give you, because all of a sudden you just extend the game for the defense, you shorten the game for your defense, and again you create more plays, which creates more chances to you know make mistakes for the defense. And so I thought we saw that buildup as Tua found those short outlet passes. He found Alec Ingold. He found Durham Smythe. He was finding Eric Ezukama in the short areas, but then he got the chance to hit the big one. And he didn't miss, and it was akin to the processing and, and quick decision-making and ball-out early that you see on the short throws too, which kind of makes it all blend together in a way that makes it even more difficult and confusing for the defense. So on this play, it's Jalen Waddle one-on-one to the perimeter. I wasn't sure if it was the short side or wide side. doesn't matter. Um, but Tua catches a shotgun snap, takes a couple of steps, hitches up and fires a pass when Waddle is like maybe 20 yards down the field. And he got on top of Javon Holland of all people and Tua let this thing fly early. We saw, it looked like, you know, Max Verstappen here at the Miami Grand Prix coming out of the blocks to start the grid and and get that whole shot. And all of a sudden he's in first place for the rest of the race. That's what it looked like. Like Jalen was screaming out of the blocks on that release. And he got on top of Javon pretty quickly, but Tua let that thing fly before he even got to that point because Javon was giving him some, you know, I suppose some, some space to deal with because why wouldn't you? And that's part of the space that this offense creates just merely from the playmakers that it has within it. And so he lets the thing fly early and, you know, all of a sudden it's a foot race between Javon and Jalen and Javon's no slouch in that regard. He did a good job of staying kind of stride for stride, but I think this is where some of the, I guess, gray area that you saw on social media, because we put the video up. It's not the entire play. It's just the quarterback, the ball, and the the play that happens down the field. So you guys don't get a chance to see the route develop the way we did in the stands. And I, I just thought that the urgency and the timing that Tua threw the football with that created urgency for Javon Holland up against Jalen on that play. That's what happens because the quarterback is on top of his stuff for lack of a better term, like on top of his, you know, it's different S word. Um, But Tua got that thing out there early and Javon, you know, he, you can't, (laughs) there's not much you can do when you're running full speed, trying to keep track of a track star. And that's what he had to do here. So the ball being where it was on top of his helmet is perfect location. And Jalen goes up and, and didn't catch the initial ball, which I thought was tipped by Javon. It wasn't. Jalen just didn't secure the catch originally. So I thought it was more of a catch than it was a great throw, but going back and looking at it, it's a great throw. Waddle did get his hands on it first, which is high point in the football. Good job of doing that. And then a better job of corralling the football off the deflection. And it was so impressive that Javon Holland kind of went to him and said like, yeah, man, you got me. Great play to, to go over there and dap up Jalen Waddle. So as a whole, I thought the offense looked like they were just picking up where they left off in terms of having the same system and language. Let's go back to head coach Mike McDaniel, who talked about the benefit for the coaching staff. We hear it from the player's perspective all the time. How about the coaching staff's benefit of having that second year in the system and with the same roster or by and large the same roster, how it benefits those guys and how they craft together an offense and game plans and the like? You know, I, I think the, the it's important to to always evaluate everything you do. Um, I, would, I would actually be self-conscious if I was like, no, something's good. I'm not going to visit that. Um, I think in terms of uh, sch- schematically, there you know you're you're always you're always diving deep into what's the best for your players. Anytime your players change at all, um, your scheme should change, and, and and that does it's it's organic. Plus, there's um, 
you know, what's, what's very unique about last year to this year is last year you're putting forth an, um, specifically for offense, you're putting for, you're putting forth scheme, not totally knowing what your players do best. You're projecting what they do best, but you're having them learn it and, um, kind of seeing where your offense goes. This offseason, you can kind of structure it more, tailored towards your players, evolve your scheme towards your players because you know what they are. And um, are you a little, not what they are, but more um, things that they're comfortable with, things that they, they uh, have room to grow in, things that you know, they, can, they can make plays and be the best player um, that they're trying to be. And it, that alone has been so powerful. And even just defensively, we have a new scheme, but knowing players' strengths and weaknesses, being able to talk through with Vic, um, and you know, you know who you can lean on, all that stuff changes for me the most because you know the people. And, and that's, the, that's a, a very cool thing in year two. And I think we've really seen a bit of that theme play out with press conference or, or I, I should say media availability conversation from several of the guys, but also the examples you get from what you see on the practice field. You know, we heard Raheem Mostert talk about adding more to his plate and not just coming into the second year of the offense, but his first year off the knee injury and feeling more natural like himself in his second season off the knee injury. And he talked about kind of adding more to his plate in the passing game. We saw Savon catch some footballs last year and this today in training camp. Devon A-Chain, obviously the same. Eric Ezukama, we'll talk about his game here in a moment because I thought he was such a, a natural fit for how the Dolphins can create space and generate missed tackle opportunities for these guys that specialize in that regard, like an Eric Ezukama. I think there's a big opportunity for him this year. We'll talk more about that here in a moment. Alec Ingold being more involved in the passing game. There are so many good options to fill the space vacated by what both 10 and 17 do and kind of, you know, the run after ability idea that really tracks with how they wanted to build the team around those guys. Hedrick Wilson was a big run after the catch guy in Dallas. Ezukama in that role. Texas Tech, that's all he did. Guys bounced off him in the screen game, the short passing game, and he would take off with long speed after the fact. I think you're going to have an opportunity to create space for those guys underneath kind of a reaction to the reaction of what you did well last year, right? The Dolphins offense attacked vertically and intermediately and really pushed the second level of defenses back. Well, if you do that, all of a sudden, you create poor angles in the short passing game for a Cedric Wilson, for, Eric, for an Eric Azukama. And I just think there's going to be tons of opportunities where the speed the Dolphins have can create spaces and chances for other people. Uh, you know, throwing short routes to Tyreek Hill, for instance, just putting guys in more and more binds based upon your formation and the personnel you have. Man, I am excited about all of that. So the ball was rarely on the ground for Tua in the first team offense, or I guess the offense that he was operating. They switched it up a lot, so it's hard to call first and second team. There was a miscommunication on a deep throw that the wide receiver came back on. It was like uh, he ran a hitch, Tua threw deep, and they just were on the wrong page. A batted ball at the line and the aforementioned Xavier Howard pass breakup on that ball to Tyreek Hill. I thought this was the best practice of Skylar Thompson's career as a Miami Dolphin. And I, you know, I've talked about some of the timing issues. I thought that was a lot better in this practice. Maybe it's recency bias, but just that timing and rhythm of his throws into tight windows. It was, it was precise today. Very, very precise. Now the defense also got their wins. 
In fact, let's go ahead and take our first break right that we're getting deep into the podcast and come back and talk about the defense on the other side, recap all of practice, get to more media availabilities for you guys. Plenty to come your way here on the first edition of Drive Time Training Camp Recap uh, Podcast. That's a mouthful. Day number one. That's next. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I do apologize if I'm talking a little bit quickly today. I'm a little bit fired up. Uh, it's basically first day of school in, in a good way. Your senior year, right? Like football practice is fun and I have the coolest job in the world. So we're talking all things football left off on the other side, talking about how the defense did get their wins on what I thought was just an efficient really well constructed day from the offense but probably the best example of that was good on good with Xavier Howard getting a pass breakup working up against Tyreek Hill and just I mean iron sharpens iron right it was good tight coverage playing back down the stem on this play where Tyreek came back to the quarterback to interfere with the route the timing of the route and kind of turning Tyreek in a way that was legal but very veteran savvy move from, from Xavier Howard and he just drove on the football and got his hand on it and broke it up and it was an impressive PBU, but the best part about it to me was how the sideline reacted and just went wild. Legitimately, 20 guys came over and dapped up X after the play. And it's one of those things where, like, you know, if you go into a game against the Chiefs and you're playing Patrick Mahomes, like, you know you've got a tall task ahead of you and you're going to celebrate getting the wins against that guy. I feel like in practice for Xavier and Jalen, and even though those guys are two of the best cornerbacks of the last, you know, half decade plus in the NFL – Knowing you have Tyreek and Jalen to go up against on the other side, it's it's a challenge. It's something you look forward to and something you celebrate when you, you do it well. And I thought it was a perfect example of this comment from Coach before practice about the way the players like Tyreek, Jalen, Jalen, and X, the way they raise the level of competition and carry a specific burden with them because of who they are and where they've been and their star power and how the other guys in the roster view them. Being a good player and getting paid a lot of money has its burdens too. Um, what I'm pumped about is I think those four guys specifically um, are, are competitors um, that want to win in the worst way and want to be the best version of themselves. So what that gives you a chance to do is dictate the competitiveness um, of your entire team, um, but it's also a burden because you know, if you don't come to play um, one day, it affects a lot of people. So, you know, those guys specifically um, know that their, their actions can influence um, a lot of the team and where we're going, even, have, even if it has nothing to do with their stats or production. Um, I, I think having those types of guys um, uh, is invaluable in terms of, talented players that want to be great that are willing to do the work and I would categorize all four of those guys as that speaking of pass breakups Cam Smith 
from OTAs up until today just continues to stand out to me. His length always stands out. Even when they're running through individual drills and Sam Madison is peppering footballs with those guys. And a funny story for you guys from, from OJ McDuffie from back in the day, he always talked about how those guys love, you know, trying to play a little bit of quarterback and showing off their arm. I know my guy juice loves showing off his arm. Like we went to MetLife for the MetLife takeover a couple of years ago and fans wanted to play catch with juice, but he just wants to throw the ball because he's got a pretty good cannon and he loves showing off the, the throwing arm. And he likes he likes to watch uh, you know Sam and, and last year Pat throw the football in practice to their guys and Sam loves cranking those balls out too uh, to for the guys in individual drills. But I'm gonna go ahead and, and and say this, you know maybe Sam wouldn't like it, but he's not the most accurate with the football and quite frankly doesn't have the best arm I've seen. And so a lot of those balls are coming out you know not on target. And (laughs) there was one that I was certain was more than likely to be caught by a media member in the stands than it was by Cam Smith. Then he just extends the go-go gadget arms and plucks it from thin air and corrals it for for a catch and individual drills. But it just speaks to, to his strength, I think, which is the length and the ability to kind of react quickly and anticipate. And those things put him in position to be in passing lanes more often than not. And he just knows how to use that length to his advantage. We talked about it all OTAs, making plays in the football, had a PBU right away today in seven on seven. One play after I thought he was the reason that the window was so tight on a completion to Alec Ingold. But then again, during 11 on 11, he damn near picks off a pass from Skylar Thompson, just didn't quite survive the ground uh, and the catch going to the ground. But man, he was he was impressive. It was, it was tough out there. I thought there was a few more balls on the ground offensively and defensively than there probably should have been because there was a constant drizzle all morning. And I actually joked in the office that it was like a Seattle drizzle, which if you guys are familiar with the Northwest, it, it rains a lot, but it's like these short rains that are not very heavy downpours. It's not like a South Florida downpour where you have a puddle after two minutes. But so the field was wet. The balls were probably a little bit wet as well as there was just some moisture in the air. But uh, also nobody complaining about that because it was literally the coolest day temperature-wise we've had all summer on the first day of camp, which just tells me the football gods are real. But um, a couple of drop passes. Tyreek had one. There were some balls on the ground that were dropped uh, by the offense that probably should get cleaned up in the coming days. But staying in the defense of backfield you know Brandon Jones has been working his way back and it's so good to see him out there playing and I always you just love to see a player who's been out with an injury and, and going through rehab because you take away like a man's purpose and I've, I've been there before the pandemic was kind of that where all of a sudden we're not doing as much content we're not really you know working the same way we used to and what's your purpose and I, I can see how that can impact a young man especially who does the same thing all day every day and has put his entire life into this profession and all of a sudden you can't do it anymore and Brandon's so introspective and so intelligent that I just wanted to hear his opinion on that so I asked him after practice today uh, three questions I'll go ahead and play the Q&A for you guys how did your downtime help you in terms of getting your game back from a mental standpoint uh and then kind of his answer was similar to what he did at the combine when he couldn't do on-field work and got everyone's playbook and learned an advantage. And then also I asked him, how would you describe coach Vic Fangio's coaching style? Here's that entire Q&A with Brandon Jones. One, just not being able to be out there. It, it, was, uh, it was tough from that aspect. Um, I think anytime, especially um, I think when I had my little elbow situation um, a couple years ago, it was just, being able, not being on the field, you recognize and realize so much more things. And the biggest thing that I had was time, which was the first time I've ever had that much time to just focus on other things. And I really took that upon myself to learn the defense, learn 
everything, not just about the state's position and trying to, I'm always looking for an edge. So I couldn't run, I couldn't backpedal, I couldn't do any of that stuff. So my edge was mentally locking in, understanding the new new playbook, new defense, and kind of going from there. Kind of similar to the combine when you couldn't work out there and you do the same thing with the playbooks, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's one thing. If, no matter if whatever's wrong with me, I'm always going to figure out some type of edge, something that's going to help me strive and, you know, excel my game at a high level. It's uh, it's a lot. It's a, uh, it's it's definitely good. It's a unique defense, I think. Um, just the amount of different schemes and the way we can run certain things, um, but it also gives the DBs a lot of freedom, and kind of play, and make calls based on what we see, based on formations. So with that freedom, I think it's going to give us a lot of a lot of leeway to to have fun and communicate and all be on the same page. Yeah, I'm jazzed up about getting Brand Jones back into the fold. We talked about the new system and new defensive coordinator and Vic Fangio's style on the other side. We saw lots of seven-on-seven seven in this practice, and I think that you know my perspective is picking up and teaching a new defense can be more definitive and give you more of a thought of where you have to go based upon certain reactions to you know passing concepts and just different movements with fewer bodies to assess you know in front of you doing seven on seven just more space to work through your roles on a given play because there was more seven on seven in this practice really than I think any practice last year mentioned the PBUs but I think the best play was from the aforementioned dead play where Tua opted to not throw the football down the field into coverage it was a combination of X Holland and Ramsey essentially floating back into what, you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say I, I know the defensive call, but looked like a cover three, all three of those guys in deep portions of the field, keeping the roof on top of the defense and cutting off any throwing windows down the field. They kind of gathered after the play and for what to me seemed like a confirmation of a job well done. I saw some fist pumps and things going on like that. So cool to see them kind of just mature throughout the course of the practice and, and get rules and jobs done. Some other plays I wanted to point out, some explosives. Savon Achman had two plays almost back-to-back, one in the passing game, one as a runner. And the running play, it looked like he kind of put a move on where he felt really good about it because he threw his hand up in the air, and to me that says, like, I'm going to the end zone for six, kind of like he did in Madden. I think it was R1 on the PS2. The R1 put the finger up in the air and say, hey, I'm going to the end zone. He also caught a pass over the middle of the field where he put a little shake on the defender and Tua just ripped that thing right in there right on time and it led him into a big run after the catch. Did the exact same thing, hand in the air. He thought he had a touchdown there. We'll see. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Raheem's best run was behind a really good block from Connor Williams and Rob Hunt. You can just see the difference with Connor Williams in the lineup. In fact, let's go ahead and hear from Connor here for just a second where he talked about how excited he is to get back on the field and playing with his teammates once again. Um, I mean, obviously... You can't you can't be on this field if you don't love football. So love football. Uh, missed it. Missed the teammates. Missed the players. And uh, missed my time here. But uh, like I said, that's all the past. We're here now. Um, I'd say just solidifying my game. I mean, obviously, coming in last year, uh, new position, uh, things you're picking up on the fly, and now it's just about solidifying that spot and uh, feeling comfortable at all the blocks, all the positions, and being able to solidify my. Uh, my role as a leader, as the center, and being able to lead better. Yeah, whether it's the screen game, getting out in space, uh, making a key block at the point, pass protection, getting things called out up front, 
the offense is just simply better when Connor Williams is in the lineup. Uh, we mentioned Tyreek getting a chance to see him work is always fun. He caught one short pass and made a move before getting into that sprint where that offhand is kind of flapping around all over the place, almost like a, a dog's you know mouth out the window and the, the cheeks are blowing in the wind. He runs so damn fast, the arm, the ball is not in, just looks like it's flailing around out there. And that to me is always a sign that he's moving. He's cooking, ready to go to the end zone. And on this play, he sure as hell thought he made the defender miss to create a long run after the catch because that arm started going there uh, up in the wind. Let's go ahead and hear from Tyreek on his preparation for this offseason and what he expects in the coming season. You know what, man? I've been grinding this whole offseason, man. Obviously, I, I, I've been doing the camps all over um, the U.S., but um, I've had time to just, you know, fine-tune my game. You know, um, when I come out here to practice, you know, um, to me, it's not all about running fast anymore because um, now it's all about getting open and just being in the right spots, you know, for my guy Tua or whoever's in that quarterback at the moment. So, um, as you've seen today, man, I was just out there coasting, you know, trying to find ways to get open, you know, um, trying to be like Travis Kelsey-ish, you feel me? So, yeah, man, just learning the game a little bit more. I'm playing at my own pace um, and just trying to control the tempo for myself. And how about the comment that, McDaniel made about foreign language year two of the offense. Let's put that same question to Tyreek and how it helps him at that receiver position just get even better after a 1,700-yard season. Man, like I said, um, just being able to play, you know, at your own tempo, um, just being in the right spots, and then just um, understanding every route and how to run every route. Like I said last year, man, I was just out there running routes and, you know, just getting open. But this year I, I completely understand the offense and, you know, how to um, use leverage against DBs and, you know, where – I need to be at on this certain coverage. So everything is slowed down, man. Let's go ahead and take our last break right there on the podcast and come back on the other side, get some additional practice notes and hear more from head coach Mike McDaniel as well as your quarterback to Atunga Bailoa. That's next Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Final segment, day one of on-field work here at Training Camp 2023. We're going to do this podcast every single day the Dolphins are on the practice field. So subscribe, rate, review, all that fun stuff, and get your podcast here every day for the drive home in the East. I thought Alec Ingold had a really good day today. Talked a little bit about that in the previous segment with the, the short passing game options this team now has between Ezukama, Cedric Wilson, Ingold, all the running backs, Braxton Berrios, the tight ends. I just think Alec is going to really expand what this offense can do as much as anybody in the sense of that year two in the system type of thought process because of you know integrating a fullback is just one of the things a lot of these players haven't been around you know, with kind of the death of the fullback position, but Alec is is keeping it alive in a big way. And I think his inclusion in the offense could be even greater in that regard. I mentioned Eric Ezukama earlier. I just a big target, really good balance that lends itself to yak ability. And I just continue to think that the space this offense can create with other guys will create chances for guys like that. We also saw Braxton Barrios catch a really nice timing rip down the middle from Mike White. Mentioned the Raheem nice run working off Connor and Rob. Uh, 
that was pretty much it. Like, we'll get you some more notes. Raekwon Davis had a big stack and shed. Uh, so did Brandon Peely. I saw Aubrey Miller get a couple of run stops. I thought David Long Jr. made a play that is, is going to be one we're going to see a lot from him this year where he just, you know, anticipated, fired the gun, and, and made his play in the backfield, and he came off yelling about how excited he was about tagging off. Aubrey Miller, the undrafted rookie, had a couple of stops in the backfield, and there was one play where Jalen Phillips is going up against uh, Austin Jackson off the edge, and they run an outside play, and Raekwon makes a big stuff in the backfield, but Phillips chucked his dude to out of the club, and that was just a, an example of his strength and how I expect him to play this year. So plenty of good. We'll have more of those practice notes for you guys uh, on the coming days here and, and continue to get more looks, and hopefully we see more one-on-one, some more pit drill. I just want to see more of that action because seven-on-seven, seven, it's fun, but I like one-on-ones and then 11 on 11. Hopefully we get more of that here, especially when you guys get out here for practice here coming up on Sunday. Let's go ahead and play a couple more sound bites here and then get out of here. Coach touched on the PUP players. I think it's right to show you guys that for the news portion here. Let's go ahead and hear what Coach had to say about Teron Armstead, Isaiah Wynn, Tanner Connor, and Nick Needham. I think if I would order um, where the guys are, are at, you're probably talking... I'm expecting sooner um, with Armstead and Wynn than um, Nick than Tanner as far as when that is. Um, uh, I, I, like I said, I've kind of learned my lesson on, on that, but um, they're, they've, uh, we, we have we feel pretty good about each and every one of them in terms of uh, where they're at, where they need to be, and where they're going, so sure you guys saw the news on Tuesday that Tua, Christian Wilkins, and Teron Armstead checked in at 81, 82, 83, respectively, on the NFL's top 100 players list. And I've always crapped on that list because it's just crazy sometimes. But hearing the testimonies from Fred Warner, from Patrick Sertan II, our own guys like Teron Armstead, and talking about how high level they believe Tua plays the game at, to me, was very confirming in a lot of ways. Um, let's go ahead and go back to head coach Mike McDaniel, who talked about Tua landing on the top 100 list for this year's season. Those things are really cool. I I, I think that's awesome. And you know when when I talk, uh, you know, top 100 stuff does come up naturally, um, naturally um, every year, and it means a lot and it means nothing. Um, respect amongst your peers is a big deal. Um, what does that mean? Uh, is it right? And what does it mean for you moving forward? Not that much, but you want to talk about something that you know without a shadow of a doubt is earned respect. That's what, that's what that one tells me um, because I, I looked really hard and I didn't see his name the year before. And I think that is something, uh, knowing Tua, he may not even know that it happened, nor would he care because he's um, uh, forward-focused. But, um, you know, I, I think um, deep down there's, there's probably some – I mean, shoot, you're, when you're begging, you're begging for a, a little positive reinforcement and you're considering if you suck, um, I do think that – I could officially say if you're on that list, you don't suck. Let's go ahead and finish up here with QB1, who was asked, again, I feel like this the 
entire media landscape was kind of taking the drive time theme today and talking a lot about year two in the offense and trying to get a feel for how the the staff and players might feel that could benefit them. Let's go back to Tua, who touched on year two in the offense and how it's going to benefit his game just being a little bit more comfortable within the system. It's been good. It's been really good. It's not only good for me, but it's good for a lot of the guys that have been here uh, last year as well, getting comfortable with the offense, being able to understand the logic, understand why we're doing things more, and not just going out there and running and trusting and hoping that this is what the expectation is from said coach to said player. So we all have the same expectation out there when we play with each other. There's still some things that we got to clean up, but I think overall it's been a really good first day to be able to go out, compete against the guys that are going to be on both sides of the field. Uh, Tyreek and Jalen, you know, on this side, and then obviously the other side, everyone wants to see X and also Jalen Ramsey. So it was good to see everyone. And there you have it. That's a wrap on day number one. There's a lot more content in there, and you guys can find those media availabilities on the YouTube channel to see more about Tua and his fresh ink, which he showed off to the media today. So go ahead and check that out. Check out Mike McDaniel's entire press conference, all that stuff on the team YouTube channel. Subscribe, rate, review the podcast, give us a follow. If you want to check out the best coverage on Twitter, go ahead and follow your boy at Winkler NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins for videos and plenty of photos and stuff from around camp. We have all that content for you guys there. Uh, again, the YouTube channel. Check out the Fish Tank with my guys Seth and Juice. And of course, last but not least, I have the written training camp notebook every single day as well up on MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, until tomorrow, fins up, Caroline and Cameron, Daddy's coming home.